You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And one of the, the best and worst thing I've ever done was booking Symphony Hall, Boston Symphony Hall. And uh, they were like, oh, the deposit is this much. And I had just that money. I had just that money. I was like, let's go. And so I did. And this was back in 2012, uh, 2012. 2012, yes. So 2012, uh, October 7th. So uh, we booked the show. And I was like, you know what? Like, we're gonna just like pack the place, and we're just, just gonna bring the full orchestra and like everything. And and obviously, like at some point, I realized how much money I'm risking, <laughs> and I didn't have any of that. <laughs> so so I talked to like all my friends and please promote uh, promoting, and uh, I did all kinds of things to like make it work, and did a Kickstarter campaign to fund the album live album, so part of it can compensate the show. And magically, like things worked out, and because it was just so hyped, um, like TV came over and newspapers came, and like they covered all the stuff. And Japanese national TV network came over, like they flew over, and then wow. like they did a show for me. And so yeah, like that. And then we released an album, and that was really like the moment when I knew, okay, this can really become a business. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm Siobhan Cronin. Welcome to another episode of 2020. I'm here with my cohorts, Corey Peza and Benny Goodman. And this week, we have part one with Shota Nakama, creator of the Video Game Orchestra, CEO of Soundtrack Production, production Company. Super interesting episode. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing. The guy that I, 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 I've spent this, this entire episode uh, stealing all of his ideas and learning from everything that he's done. He's the original Japanese rebel, decided, fuck middle school, fuck high school. I'm just going to go to the U.S. and be a guitar hero. Yep. Mind-blowing. Yeah. Mind-blowing. Um, you know, any, anyone that's kind of interested, uh, obviously, if you, if you like video game music, uh, you know, being the, the founder of Video Game Orchestra, which is one of the biggest uh, acts in the world, uh, it's fascinating. But even if you're not into that, hearing his story of how he got to that point, uh, it's pretty incredible from a business standpoint and a creative mind standpoint. blowing, mind blowing. God damn. <laughs> All you. right. God damn you. God damn you, Ben. Part one with Shota Nakama. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of 2020. We're we're just off the bat rolling on this one, but uh, we're super super happy to welcome Shota Nakama. And I, I practiced that with the T, Shota Nakama. Right. <laughs> um, he's the founder, producer, musical director of Video Game Orchestra, also the CEO of Soundtrack Production Company, musical yes. production company. Mm-hmm. Very excited to hear more about that. And, uh, and also, you know, someone that we've, we've spoken with in the past, super talented and uh, a few uh, shared experiences and networks that we definitely got to get into, including what is being held right now by Mr. Benny Goodman over there. Yeah, <laughs> Not can just we me. say what it is for the people listening? We check out the YouTube cast. We've got two Jason Becker guitars, right? <laughs> so one of the things that Shoda and I immediately, well, all three of us, in fact, we should give the backstory. Because this gentleman showed up at, at my studio randomly because one of our friends was shooting a Tascam commercial. And they're like, uh, well, we should go to a real huge giant studio. And, and my buddy was smart. He's like, who goes to the real studio now? Let's go to a crappy basement studio like Ben's. <laughs> we should shoot there. That's more realistic. People can't afford a real studio. Let's go to Ben's fake studio. And then this gentleman walks in and we're recording Lost Symphony, which is... Again, uh, our band that's, you know, symphonic, like kind of like shred rock, almost video game music. What does this dude do? He writes video game music and works with one of our favorite guitars, Jason Becker, 
went to Sarajevo, if I'm correct, and helped with an orchestra out there. And Jason even gave him one of his perpetual burn guitars that matches my <laughs> Jason Becker perpetual yes. burn guitar. And if, Corey, if you'll put it up on the screen at some point, hashtag ALS awareness for Jason. Because Somewhere over here. I don't know, Shoda's doing this, but I'm trying to put this in people's hands so that we can continue to create and raise awareness of the story of Jason Becker. Because as much as we know about Jason Becker, mm-hmm. and for those that don't know who he is, please go on to YouTube, watch, be inspired, laugh, cry, laugh, then cry again, and then go play guitar harder and learn about Jason Becker. Because this gentleman on our podcast today arranged the orchestra am i correct here that you like you arranged the orchestra to my favorite guitars in the <laughs> fucking world and he came down to our studio when we were doing like our diet version of that with lost yeah. symphony and the synchronicities of that is just insane so i'm gonna stop talking yeah. now but that's crazy to me yes the uh when you when we did meet you for that first time it was we were all in the studio that we were recording lost symphony so it's rare that you know the three the four of us have all been in the same room you know Considering the show has started, yeah, yeah. (laughs) We don't even have our band that's all been in the same room, but we have. And I just remember having a ton of questions, you know, as soon as you told us what you did. So I'm very excited for today. So I'll I'll give you a chance. Thank you for joining us, and thank you for taking the time to be with us. Thanks a lot. Thanks a lot. It's uh, it's great to be on the show, and uh, you know, I get to like recently, I do a lot of orchestral writings, and. Like I just sit in front of my computer and just like watch finale. <laughs> That's all I do. <laughs> so being able to converse with like people I know and also like people who have passion, same passion and the same similar music, this is great. Like really great. I'm I'm particularly excited because I'm the orchestra nerd in the room here. I mean, I'm a violinist, yes. grew up playing yes. orchestra music, and I'm super curious to hear about your background and how you get into got into writing and arranging specifically. Because even as a violinist, you know, I spent mm-hmm. my whole life playing orchestral music. It wasn't until I got out of school, finished a master's degree, that I was ever even asked to consider writing an arrangement for something. And there's a process mm-hmm. there of learning it and understanding the orchestra. Is this something you studied, or can you tell us a little bit about your background, your education leading up to that? Yeah, so um, I I grew up in the, in this little small island called Okinawa, and it's south of Japan, where Mr. Miyagi is from. So if you haven't yes. watched watch Cobra Kai, because yes. Daniel-san actually goes to Okinawa, he actually did go. <laughs> Does it bother you that the actor doesn't speak at all? Like, what no, was his name? Like, Patrick, whatever. He talks like, yo, what's up, dude? And then it's like, <laughs> oh, Mr. Miyagi. Oh, yeah. Wax no, on, like, wax off. But so, like, you know, back in days, like, when they did the, the Karate Kid, uh, they didn't fly there. But, like, in Cobra Kai season three, they actually did. And they have actors from Okinawa, like, speaking an own dialect. Oh. So, mm-hmm. like, they wanted to, like, really honor the culture. So, I was like... And also, they, they passed by my place. Which oh really? Kind of, really? Which I have crazy. to go back and watch it. I love so, like, that I was show. just watching it. I was like, wait a second. I know this film. <laughs> That's wild. That's great. We yeah, have to so find the amazing. scene. <laughs> yeah, yes, please. Yeah, so, yeah, I, I grew up there, and uh, I sort of dropped out from middle school, and I didn't go to high school. And uh, my dad is a doctor, so I did a classic, like, you should never do this. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, back in when I was 15, 14 or 15, I think I was 15, um, I met the musical Deep Purple. And that was it. Next day, I was declaring my future as a musician. And uh, I was begging my mom to get me a guitar. And my uncle had a, used to be in the band. So he's like, okay, I'm just going to get a guitar. So here you go. And uh, m- the moment when I uh, held the guitar, that was it. I was like, I'd be a fucking rock star. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. So how did that, how did that blow over with your parents, though, deciding to quit middle oh. school? Because that's a pretty bold move. Well, and also Japan is pretty conservative. So sure. like, not going to high school was like a sin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like everybody thought I was very stupid. And uh, yes, all my friends thought I was just like really dumb. Because <laughs> you know, like now? I, yeah, when you're, when you're playing now. all like these giant conventions, so like I I want to let you know. So when I first did my research on you, mm-hmm. back when you came down to my studio, I saw you. I, I think it was at like a pack 
Max, like yeah. the giant like video game convention with a yeah. whole orchestra, a gajillion people on stage. And you're just shredding guitar <laughs> with this. It's basically what Siobhan, myself, and Corey dream of doing, and then try to create like the moon landing in our studio. Except you do it in front of a bunch of uh, 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 people that actually dress up and love it, do this cosplay stuff, and y- y- these people love you. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Is that crazy? Like that you're part because like my brother played video games growing up and like Mm -hmm. he used to make like mixes of like the song the hedgehog music because he was so into you know the sound of the video games. I can only imagine now that they have badass music like you that people (laughs) must become emotionally attached beyond just like oh I really like that song. It's like but my character died. Yeah, it's like the video game music has become like something different. Like because back in days it was just like Nintendo and stuff, but like now like groups like. Us and other guys, like we're doing like a, the the real like arrangements and like you know just. What's the name of the shows. group? Uh, my group is called Video Game Orchestra. Okay, yeah. I thought that's what it was, but I I'm, <laughs> but I'm like, is that the generic name for? Is it the actual the name? No, we yeah. we actually we actually trademarked it, so we own the name. That's amazing. That's, That's amazing. the smartest thing ever because I actually started Lost Symphony as the video game orchestra and then yeah. it, like yeah. we called and our trademark guys like we can't do that so we're like fuck it Lost Symphony. Yeah, we, we own it. We own it. Yeah, and no one can really ask, you know what's your, what's your band name? Like oh what do you do? I'm like yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Who needs, a, who needs an elevator pitch or who even yeah. needs a card? You're just like I am like does this not self-explanatory? <laughs> well, before we get too far ahead, though, let's go back. So you got you got a guitar, and this yeah. like inspired so I you and the changed it. Your- and then I I told my parents that I I will never go to high school, and uh, they were like, "What the fuck?" <laughs> and so then then I found an alternative way, and I get I was able to get the GED because like in Japan, GED is super easy. Like it's very easy. Mm-hmm. And uh, so then next, I declared I'm gonna go to America to study music, and. So, so where I'm, did you get all these ideas? Because that's, I mean, you know, I'm imagining you grew up, I mean, we grew up before really internet and you can go on YouTube and say, yeah. oh, this, this is what they're doing in America. So how how did that like idea come to you? What made you decide I want to go there? Was it a school? Was it, how did you know what was going on? Well, in Okinawa, because we have the, we have the biggest American military base in Asia. And so like, it's very common to see a lot of Americans in, in mm-hmm. the city. And um, I was obsessed going to this like, uh, rock and roll bar at the age of like 15 <laughs> and they were letting me in because back then like we were able to just get into like those places without an ID like they never ID in Japan like you don't have to show an ID to go into a bar in Japan still Interesting. but yeah like I was they, they let me in they were like oh like in this kid like he wants to play Deep Purple so like great like just, just bring him in and have him jam so I just got into the stage and just play Smoke on the Water Highway Star Burn and stuff so yeah and uh I started playing in like a bunch of bars close to the base as well. So like your audience is only Americans and that's kind of, you know, um, made me realize that the real music is in America. Interesting. (laughs) I was like, this is better. (laughs) So let's go. (laughs) So what did that look like? How did you make the move? What was the process? Um, so I, I I was talking to some of my friends and just to figure out like how to go, <laughs> and uh, I learned that the easiest way was to be a student because student visa because this was before nine eleven, so mm-hmm. a student visa was just super easy to get, and so I'm like okay I'm gonna go to college, and which is kind of why I got the GED, and uh, um, yeah my friend was like okay let me just process the paperwork because he doesn't speak English, so he did everything. And I flew. <laughs> wow. And, uh, wow. Yeah. Like before I flew, I told all my friends and band members and I say like, hey, guys, goodbye. Farewell. I'm never going to come back. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So, you are so bold. That's amazing. Yeah. That yeah. So I, I flew and uh, I didn't go back for like four years. Uh-huh. And you yeah. didn't speak English at the time you said? No, no. Okay. None. Did you just like uh, walk in? Zero. Did you just like walk into a bar and you just start playing Burn and they're like, dude, he's playing some Blackmore. Like, and, and it's Coverdale era Blackmore. Like, hey, this guy's cool. And yeah. you don't even have to speak English. Ingve loves you. <laughs> yeah, so I didn't have to speak anything. And I just kind of like was jamming along because music is a language, right? Sure. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, then I came to the US and I was in uh, this like very suburb area in like, south of Seattle. Uh, the town is called Lakewood, 
And because uh, like that was the only school that accepted me because <laughs> it's like a very small community college, but they had a very good music program and I got in there and then I kind of studied English there and also like music theory and all the kinds of stuff. Because before that, like I obviously I had no formal education in anything pretty much. So, yeah, um, I learned everything there. And then I after like four years or five years, like four years, I got tired of being in that area because like there's nothing happening. This was after grunge. So, yeah. you know, there, there was no music in Seattle. <laughs> That's so funny because a lot of the guests we've talked to before were kind of in the prime of that era, you know. So Seattle was like such a hopping place. So it's interesting to hear your perspective after that. Yeah, it was super dead. <laughs> wow. Was, like, yes, I played in like a bunch of taverns and stuff, but that was the extent of like how, how far you can get to. And this was pre-internet. So, well, mm-hmm. the birth of internet and, uh, but still like we're using dial-up internet and mm-hmm. stuff. So Check us like- out on Prodigy, guys. Prodigy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Our so, name yeah, of our like- band's A slash S slash L. Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> so when you came here, you, you know, you kind of had that, I want to be a rock star attitude. Yeah. Um, how did the formal music training kind of mesh with that? Was that something that you immediately latched onto or were you more get like, you know, I guess formal training versus listening to records. What was your biggest kind of inspiration getting in, getting into playing guitar and everything? Mm, I, I just thought it was the coolest thing to do. <laughs> so yeah. I just picked up and just played by ear. I didn't, I, I was able to read music because I, when I was a little, like studied piano just a little, a few years. Okay. So I, I was able to read them, but like who reads guitar music? right <laughs> not guitarists <Yeah. laughs> violinists yeah. trying to play guitar parts probably right. yeah so so i uh, i learned how to read tabs and uh, just kind of like you know learned as much as i could and yeah but like pretty much everything most mostly by ear is that i i realized tabs had a bunch of mistakes too yeah uh, yeah. yeah and yeah, so <laughs> story of my life che- trying to teach myself how to play off like Metallica tabs. It's like that's not a chord. impossible. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible. Yeah. So then um, when I uh, when I was pretty much done with Seattle, I applied for Berkeley College of Music, and also um, I was gonna go to USC or maybe University of Miami, but um, they kind of they took down the guitar department. They used to be called uh, Studio Guitar Major. But mm-hmm. then, like, became a jazz guitar major. So I was like, fuck that. I can never do it. So, <laughs> <laughs> it's a valid yeah, like, response. I, I, I love jazz and stuff like Pat Metheny and all those guys, like modern jazz guys. But, like, he's just playing. It's just, it, it's a lot of commitment. And I, I love rock and roll too much to be in that field. So, yeah. And, but I got accepted to Berkeley. And I was like, okay, maybe I'll go. And uh, in uh, in Japan, because p- people think Berkeley is like that uh, the divine school of music, only gods can go there. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. Well, I mean, John Petrucci went there, so I mean, obviously, <laughs> I mean John Mu Young. If there's anything that we've learned, he's yeah. the greatest bass player to ever go yeah. through Berkeley because he's yeah. in Dream Theater. Yeah, and uh, Steve Vai was there, and all those like big names are there. But did you and- quit though? Did you quit? Because that's what you have to do. See exactly. I like see everybody tells me that, but like I didn't quit. I graduated. Well, that's why you're. Are you, are you, that's why you're not worth a hundred million dollars. If you had quit, you'd be ten <laughs> times better than you. Because you're amazing now. So just think about how good you would have been if you had just like gone last semester and just said, "Fuck it, I'm hanging yeah, out with Petrucci. Yeah, we're out." Mayer, right? Yeah. 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 Exactly. Yeah. yeah. No, but like you know, I I was a troublemaker, but like I I barely barely finished. And uh, like John Mayer, were you and John Mayer troublemakers together? I think John Mayer was like a far more troublemaker than me because he was he went before me, but um, I, I heard he was just smoking every day. <laughs> he still does that, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I think so too. <laughs> That's amazing. And then there's like the nerds like me that stayed through the end of a master's degree, and I'm like, what did I learn in my violin education? <laughs> you know, but like, see, like in, eventually, I did t- get master's degree in classical guitar performance, and uh-huh. I went to the Boston Conservatory just to like. There's a specific reason why I went. Is that a Japanese Um, thing? Just so after you've accomplished something, now you just want to hurt yourself? (laughs) (laughs) No, like the the reason was, so (laughs) back in like 2008, I was starting the video game orchestra and this was the last semester of Berkeley. And at the time, like nobody was doing this kind of stuff. Like nobody was thinking of like, even like a symphonic rock stuff in that scale. And uh, so a lot of people were like, like, 
treating me as if I was like a super crazy dude. And so I was telling people like, Hey, like, do you want to play in this ensemble? And they were like, what the, what, what do you play? And I was like, video game music and, and symphonic rock. And they're like, um, no, thank you. <laughs> but I used to get a lot of reaction like that. And particularly from a lot of uh, conservatory people. Sure. I can imagine. Yeah. yeah. Well, and you know, th- that became kind of like, that, that annoyed me quite a bit. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to prove myself. I'm just going to go to conservatory and get the master's so you can't say that to me. Well, you f- <laughs> we feel your pain because every time someone hears this music, they're like, how did you come up with this new genre of insanity <laughs> of just like, com- like I'm like, I-, I don't know. And then meanwhile, you come down to my basement. You're like, I'm doing the same thing as this. I'm like, there's someone doing the same thing and he's here. And like, you kind of looked at me the same way. You're like sniffing us out. Like, so you play violin. Like it was really weird. Cause I don't know anyone else making music kind of like what we're doing, but if there yeah. was any other band out there, I went and watched what you do. And it's like, Oh, we should take notes from that. Yeah. That's why you're on the show. We're trying to you know, figure out what we're doing wrong here. Basically we're trying to like steal all of your thoughts and then come to market with better stuff. Yeah, exactly. sounds good. That's but kind of what this entire show is. We just bring on yeah. guests, steal their knowledge. I, well, I that's amazing. More... No, no, sorry. Go ahead. If you had something to say, I didn't mean to interrupt. No, you. I was gonna say that. Like, it was amazing though, because like I, I saw your website and like you got the Bumblefoot and all those like crazy awesome dudes. That's that's what Ben's good at. He's good at lassoing people and, and somehow tricking them into being on our project. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but uh, speaking of Bumblefoot, if, if Anyone listening hasn't listened to his episodes, they're incredible. Uh, make sure you go check those out. He plays guitar throughout the majority of those. <laughs> and nice. you if, you see are, our, if you our want jaws s- are on the floor. He was like, like playing violin concertos on the guitar, and I'm like, I can't even play Tchaikovsky like if, that. If anymore. you want to see a guy who, like, literally, they're like, who who has the greatest memory of all time or the highest yeah. EQ, uh, IQ of anybody? EQ, highest IQ of anybody? <laughs> like, Bumblefoot's just like, oh, yeah, I wrote this song when I was seven. And actually, it's Six. just this other song backwards. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's just, it's a Tchaikovsky thing, but you just change, you just change it. And he just plays it. <laughs> And it's like he's like a synesthetic savant, and then everything yeah. out of out of him, he's like, "Oh yeah, particles might have memory." It's like he starts off sentences <laughs> with things like that. You're like, "Oh, this is going this is going Strap way in. further than my brain." Strap in, guy's yeah. out of his mind. Yeah, no, like I went to see Sanzo Apollo show in uh, Paradise. I think it was like a few oh, yeah. years ago. Yeah, that was amazing, and he can sing so well too. That's which is cheating. Wild. Like yeah. that's cheating. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, that's the thing that's crazy. So, like, everyone knows him as a guitar player, but, like, meanwhile, like, I loved his latest thing. He's like, I'm so sorry to Asia fans. I can't go sing Asia because I'm touring with Sons of Apollo. But he just sang in Asia because his voice is so fucking good. You know, he used to, I saw him imitate, like, Axl Rose doing, like, a strange when he played, like, and he hits the Guns N' Roses stuff. You're like, holy shit. So when he actually sings, it's like, that's coming out of that dude. Meanwhile, he he can't even be controlled by one guitar. He has to have two, and the second one doesn't even have frets. And he, it's his ridiculous. Intona- his intonation is perfect too. Oh, I yeah. know it's wild. Yeah. Well, it's the thumbtack. He has the thumbtack from Monopoly. That's what helps. It's the thumbtack. <laughs> I think it's All called right, well, a thimble, but yeah. Anyway, Whatever. so for anyone listening, you can go check out Bumblefoot's episode. But coming back to Shoda, um, I want to ask you about your experience at Berkeley. So you you went there, and so what? And for your undergraduate, what sorts of things were you working on, and how did it lead to you wanting to create the video game orchestra? Um, I was uh, I majored in film scoring, and uh, at the time there was this, there was no video game classes or anything in, in Berkeley. But uh, a couple of my friends and me, like we got together and say like, hey, let's start this uh, club that focuses on video game music and uh, the club quickly gained like 150 people or something and then I got the attention from the school and uh, the school immediately hired uh, a teacher dedicated for teaching video game music courses wow so, that's yeah, amazing like, then, good like, for you like, man yeah so no, that's like, amazing that would never have happened at the school I went to I went to like a traditional kind of conservatory <laughs> in a big university we should go to Shark Tank no, we should be like hey they need no, video I- game music in schools we, we need to be able to scale this. Can we find 25 showed us? <laughs> but it's great you got that support, though, because, like, I got in trouble all the time for playing rock music. My teacher's like, what are you doing? You should be practicing your orchestra excerpts. It was not condoned to do other types of things. But anyway, go ahead. So so you yeah. won the club. Yeah, so, yeah, like, the, then uh, uh, one day I was like, hmm, 
what if we play with a live ensemble? And the next day I talked to all my friends and say like, hey, let's just, let's start this. <laughs> That's kind of how it started. And it was just a, merely a spark of idea. And it wasn't like really like a planned business scheme or anything. And, uh, we did a, we, so we went to this chapel in, in the city in, in Boston. And uh, I told this booking lady, hey, I have no money, I'm a student. Uh, can I book the place? And she was like, okay, uh, 150 for the entire day or something. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, wow. great. <laughs> so, so we booked the place and then we, the, the place was completely packed, completely packed. And uh, uh, we were like, okay, if this goes well, let's do another one. And we booked a bigger place and I used the same tactic. And I talked to this booking manager of like bigger venue that fit like 500 people or something. And I said, I'm sorry, I have no money. <laughs> I would trust me. Like I will not destroy this place. And so he was like, okay, all right. Uh, maybe you still like, using that I, line? <laughs> not anymore. Not anymore. Yeah. Cause you know, I can't, I can't fake that anymore. <laughs> yeah. Rolling in with trucks of like lights and stuff. I got no money, man. I'm broke. <laughs> Listen, if I was mad, if I was managing you, I would tell you something that's very real, which is you still can fake it and just stop speaking English so well for a moment. <laughs> that, well, that's that's what you, when you go to retail, when you go to retail stores, I'm sorry, I don't mean to be rude, okay? But like I, this has happened where I have like hyper brilliant people that don't that, that pretend to not speak English, and they're like, oh, discount. And they look at you like they're crazy, and then they walk off. And they're like, "Yeah, the theory of relativity. We're gonna go out to like the Ruth uh, Ruth Chris steak joint." You hear them speaking totally fine, but they're like, "I don't get it." I would use that all the way to the bank every single gig <laughs> until I was into like Madison Square Garden. Like, we have no money. See, like I don't use that one. Like, you know, a lot of my friends have done it, and it actually works. <laughs> <laughs> Which is funny. Very Case funny. in point, proof of concepts. <laughs> yeah, but he has integrity, unlike you, Ben. So, <laughs> just kidding. No, like I, I you know. Are you? <laughs> it's funny. Like I would. I'm use totally it. kidding. <laughs> so, coming back to some of your first concerts, what what did that look like? Was it was it a band with orchestra? Did, had you already scored out some orchestral things to go for the video game music? Like, what was the early uh, yeah the, structure of the, it? So, the first concert. Um, Obviously, nobody was helping me, and also there were there's no published video game scores. There, there was none, so I had to transcribe everything and arrange them. And uh, initially, we had like 27, 28 people, um, just a condensed orchestra with a. I play the guitar, but like not electric, because the venue was a little too small. So, so we did that pure acoustic format but it was definitely like it definitely had like a scent of smell of um, wait a minute hold on a second are you an Ingve malmsteen fan oh dude like why why not <laughs> okay hold on so you had the opportunity to go out in a giant ruffled shirt like js bach with your strat <laughs> with all the scallop stuff in front of a whole orchestra completely unnecessarily with boots and stuff and you chose to play acoustic what well, was a small venue he said so, yeah, it's like, do you think Ingve would have shown up with thirty fucking stack amps? Showed up, am I right? That said yeah, Marshall, right. and then it. Come on. No, but it was like a Black Stars intro. Nylon guitar. Even intro. better. Yeah. He still so, he'd still play that in front of a bunch of Marshalls, even if they weren't yeah. plugged in. <laughs> no, but so like the second concert, like when we took it a little like step above, we had a band, and yeah, I fucking shredded. <laughs> <laughs> and i fucking shredded yes <laughs> yeah so like at that point like the orchestra was like 40 piece 45 50 piece or something and uh, there was a band a five piece band like keyboard two guitars drummer and bass and uh, so we did the the whole like rock orchestra stuff and then after that like packs started in boston and they invited us to play they were they heard us, about us and they were like oh i just Let's have you guys perform. And then Anime Boston, like it's a big anime convention. They invited us to do it. And uh, yeah, like from then on, it just like, it just went, keep going up. It just kept going up. As, as soon as you, yeah. you said shred, I thought to myself that I'm sitting next to this, which was the, according to Jason Becker's dad, the cover of Perpetual Burn. Would you Amazing. do me the honor of someday we can reunite numbers? The, these guitars, your guitar, and we could do something for Jason, maybe Dude, with some of I, our orchestral friends, like maybe Siobhan and Marco and Susanna, who are, we should do something for him because if there's anyone that understands what I'm trying to do, 
it should be you, right? Do you See, understand? Like, so like there is a, I think I told you about the, the whole production for Jason Becker's album, but like there, there is you like did. a, yeah, <laughs> there is well, a different orchestration it. take that I did initially. And yeah. I would absolutely love to record that. And like, maybe we can just like, Oh, hell yeah. Lay man. together. So while, one. while we're on the topic, uh, just for anyone that's watching or listening, uh, I wanted to get into this at some point, but now it seems like a great time. Can you just, uh, touch on your relationship with Jason Becker a little bit? Yeah. So I found Jason's record, uh, when I was like 16, I think. Um, so at the time I already started the guitar and I was, um, very addicted to going to a record shop and a CD shop. And I was just trying to find like anything I could, I could find that has the coolest jacket <laughs> <laughs> and a perpetual burn has like a Jason's photo yeah, and it yeah, just it's looks cool. cool. And I was like, I know, I know this. But hold on, find. but he's also wearing a cool jacket on the yes. cover of the yes. cool jacket and on perpetual burn. He's holding <laughs> this guitar. <laughs> I want it so bad. <laughs> Dude, you understand just so everyone knows, do you, under, you get it. I got this in the mail and I pulled it out for my fiance who had no idea. I'm like, I had tears in my eyes and she's just like another guitar in the mail. I'm like, but it's not just another guitar. She's like, that's what you say about every guitar. And I'm like, you have, you think you know, but you have no idea. And I went downstairs and I'm playing it and I was like slop housing, like terrible sweep arpeggios. And I'm like, I, I was ashamed of myself. But I was so happy that I got to hold this guitar in my hand because for years, for years, I saw this. It was I had I had a printout. I actually went to Staples and printed out this picture because I couldn't find a poster on my wall. And now it's on my wall. So and, and just so you know, Jason gave showed a guitar. I, I had to have someone pay over a hundred thousand dollars for this one. I mean, granted, it went towards, you know, ALS and, and, and helping Jason, which is fine. You're cool enough with him where he just gives you a guitar. How do you get so cool with Jason where he's like, you know what? Instead of charging you six figures for this, how about no, like, you? I'll just give you one. Well, no, because what I did was like, so, so I knew how great Jason was. And uh, I saw his Indiegogo campaign for the new album. And uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, I, I, I got to contact him and just figure out like the ways to help him. So I contacted him and said, hey, um, I can do orchestra scores. And please let me help you, and I can I can definitely help something. So then um, Dan Alvarez, uh, he was the engineer of the of the album. He got back to me and he's like, "Hey, let, let's talk." And so we started talking, and uh, then he was like, oh, "Do you want to just write the scores and just see like how Jason feels?" And just did that, and Jason was happy, and that's kind of how it started. And obviously, I didn't charge anything. I said like, you know, like I I I I, I don't need any money. This was. This is like to help you and uh, to support your new musical journey. And I, I want to see it happening. Yeah. That's incredible. God bless you, dude. God bless you. So everyone knows. It's a lot of work. <laughs> so, some, some background. So for those that don't know, Jason is one of the greatest guitarists that ever lived and that by 19, he was playing better than anyone you've ever heard in your entire life. Just absolute, a savant. I mean, he's a savant. Like, you don't play like that at that age unless, like, I mean, I almost feel like he was, a, just like you said, the violinist the other day was a violinist in another life. Jason, like, was a guitarist in two lives. That's how good he he, he is. And he got st struck down with ALS. So when he was in Cacophony with Marty Friedman, he had just left to join David Lee Roth in replacing this guy, Eddie Van Halen. You know, uh, to be on a, actually an amazing record that did really well. And for Mari to go off and join Megadeth to do Rust in Peace, except that when he was going to go on tour with David Lee Roth, his uh, hands didn't work as well and started getting heavy. And, uh, you know, he, he, he was calling people. And he couldn't. He went through the throngs of finding out that he had ALS. And it's like the most terrifying thing I know as a musician. Like, I mean, I thought I had carpal tunnel and I literally cried. Like this, imagine finding out that you're going to eventually lose your ability to do anything. And this guy recorded until he had to switch playing guitar with his hands, until he had to only play on a keyboard, until he had to basically look into a computer and open his mouth until he couldn't open his mouth anymore. And this guy has written books. His dad is an artist and a poet. Like, he's just the most amazing family and in the most talented guy so when i found out that he needed to sell these guitars 
we were working with Marty Friedman and and the guy that um, is behind a lot of this, um, who works with me on the Neurotic Guitarist, um, was like, well, how do we get it deep in with Marty Friedman? And I made a sideways comment, like, we should just save Jason Becker. And I had sent him the video years before because we had written a song called The World Is Over that's basically an homage because it's Jeff Loomis and Marty Friedman who got duped into basically doing a, a cacophony song but just not knowing it. And uh, Scott started talking to Marty and Marty was like, I couldn't see anybody better having these guitars than you. So next thing I know, like Marty's giving the intro uh, to Jason Becker. I've since become friends with Jason Becker. We got Nita Strauss from Alice Cooper. And obviously she has her own number one hit. So I don't want to even say from Alice Cooper, just the hurricane Nita Strauss played one of his guitars on stage. We had the guys from Cradle of Filth. We had Brock, uh, Siobhan's husband from Star Set come down and play it. And what we're trying to do now that we we were able to raise all this money buying all three of his guitars, so the numbers guitar um, and both guitars like this, um, we want people to be playing with it uh, with, with these guitars. And actually, on the next Lost Symphony song, we're we're having Hector Hellion, who's our new guitarist, and Corey are being relegated to only playing on Jason's guitars. So all the the music you'll hear from those guys on the next Lost Symphony song will be recorded solely with guitars that are from Jason. And yeah, and and we want cuz the thing is and and I know you understand this. Everyone can say how great he is all that but he's sitting by himself trapped in his own mind. So I know the number one thing that I can do, it's one thing to raise money and, and afford him a better way of, of living, mm-hmm. but it's another thing to entertain this dude. So like what I've tried to do, be is like the obnoxious guy that's like, oh, I'll just keep putting these guitars in people's hands. And I know that he's smiling. I know that he's happy. I, in fact, I've talked to him on the phone and he said some things that are so nice to me that I won't even quote them because they're not real and nobody would ever believe them and it makes him sound silly because he said <laughs> he's just really nice to me uh, but it's just so inspiring and I'm so glad that we were able to meet because I feel like this is something we need to do for Jason and I, mm. I and I'm so glad we can do this together because you're a guy that's already you're doing this before me dude <laughs> you are I took your game <laughs> No, but you know anything I can do to support Jason, I would I would do a- anything anytime. And I I actually do take this guitar for tours and stuff. So we had like a pretty long tour in China uh, back in 2018, 2019. And then I this was the guitar. I had to take it. And all the important gigs that I do, I, I play on this guitar. And all the recordings, like last year, I got to work with Marvel. So Marvel Games contacted me to produce an online concert for to to celebrate the release of their new game. Wow. So then I was like, gotta use this guitar. <laughs> so awesome. are you like the biggest fish in this pond? Because like we're trying to get into the pond, okay, so that you can eat us. <laughs> we're in the bait bucket next to the pond. Right. Yeah, Mar- Mar- you're like, oh yeah. So I did Final Fantasy. And then I did this uh, this Marvel thing. I think what who's it? Is it the X Men in the Marvel universe? It's the Avengers. It's like, how much are you on Disney Plus? <laughs> uh, there, there is a plan to put that on. I think the the video is oh, like all online, so <laughs> it's 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 on Marvel's channel. Watch Shota on Disney Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey so Mouse funny. personally endorses him. But I don't know. I don't know if Mickey Mouse knows Brazilian Portuguese. <laughs> <laughs> if he knows, he may not put me on. Oh so we're going to leave that part out. <laughs> well, I mean, here's the, here's the thing is, I mean, let's think about how many Jews went into all those Disney movies. And we know Walt Disney wasn't very nice. So, hey, now that we're past that. Oh, my God. Always an off-color joke. <laughs> yep, that's how we do it. But anyways, just kind of going back to, to the work you did with Jason, mm-hmm. um, you know, what was that experience like when you were actually, you know, kind of had it going? Like, what was... How was that um, collaboration? Yeah, so so I actually did go to his place and uh, I got to meet him and that was like surreal. It was just incredible. And he's just such a nice person. Like he's just, I, I don't know what to what else to say about him. Like he's just so super like loving, caring, nice dude. And like, and I always dreamed of meeting him in person. And when I was this in this little island, and uh, yeah, it was just like incredible. And I told him, hey, look, I'm going to fly again and I'll bring um, scores and maybe we'll ask some local musicians to kind of go through it, like do a reading session so he can hear uh, things in context. So that's what we did. Um, next time I flew over, 
we uh, I, I brought all the finished scores, and then we got like uh, four students, a uh, student quartet, to um, do like a live review of the of the pieces. And Jason was there, and and he posted those videos on uh, his uh, his web uh, his YouTube channel. And yeah, like so, like we kind of like step by step solidified everything, and then eventually we got to the point where we were like, okay, let's let's do this. So then uh, I flew to Bulgaria, and we I knew production there, and because you know like the the cost we we couldn't afford the cost of doing full recording sessions here. So we flew over there, and well, I, I flew there, and with my was friend. it Sofia, Bulgaria? Yes, yes. Sophia, okay, yes. I thought it was Sarajevo, Bosnia, so I must have been <laughs> crossing my wires. Sofia, Bulgaria, yes. not Sarajevo, Bosnia. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, we uh, recorded um, some strings and uh, also brass, and we did woodwinds remotely. Woodwinds were recorded in in uh, by my friends in the U.S. There, I told them about Jason, and they were like, "Dude." Don't worry about money. We're gonna do this. So, That's rad. So yeah. That's amazing. We did. Yeah. That's so cool. Um, I don't wanna change topics, but I kinda wanna go back a little bit and fill in some <laughs> some gaps before we end <laughs> the first episode. I wanna ask, coming back to um the video game orchestra again, yeah. how did it turn into a business. So you were kind of got onto the topic of, you know, you started to do more and more concerts. You did, mm-hmm. a, I think, a convention, right, for video games. Yeah. Uh, do, how did that catapult into an actual career doing, you know, more massive concerts, traveling, doing tours? Yeah. So, like, initially, like, I had no, like, I didn't really, like I said, I didn't really plan for this to be, like, a business business. And so, like, we're just, like, doing shows. And it was free, like nobody was getting paid. It was fun and all that. But at one point, I was like, you know, like it's we need to change this because otherwise we're gonna just stay in this like friends fun. Let's have fun, kind of like just like amateur um, group. And I didn't want that, so I said like, hey, you know, let's charge t- for tickets and see what happens. And also we started conventions to pay us for our parents' fees and stuff. And um, that that was a difficult time period for me because like I didn't know what I was doing. And mm-hmm. so like a lot of people left. They were like, I don't like the way you do things. And uh, it was fun before. Like, why do we have to do this? And why why do you involve money? And it, you guys know this. And Yeah, sure. Yeah. And uh, it just, cer- certain musicians, they want to just stay in this fun realm and instead of just going out and do business. And I, I understand where they're coming from too. And, but uh, so we parted ways, a lot of people parted ways. And then like we went through a lot of member changes so yeah but then like i had to step up and just you know take a risk and move forward well it sounds like you're a visionary dude because i mean think about it you a lot of people have have said like with lost symphony they haven't heard anything like it and i honestly had not heard much like it other than i always used to say like if you were to listen to like old school video game music or like some like or um you know movie soundtrack stuff but like the closest thing to what we're doing is what you're doing. And I, I have so much, first off, respect for the fact that in Japan, where I know that they have like a very, they're, they're very tight culturally and they're, and, yeah. and they're very conservative. You're just like, nah, I don't need to go to school. I'll get the stupid GED. I'm just yep. going to go to the US. I know my, I know some smoke on the fucking water. Yep. Like I got my Blackmore. Oh, what am I going to do? I'm going to go to that Seattle place that they had all the American music thing. And I'm going to learn about music. And then I'm just going to fly to Bulgaria and orchestrate the greatest virtuoso <laughs> guitarist fucking record ever. And I'm going to play all the fucking video game conventions where all those girls are dressed like nymphs. And they're going to pay me. They're going to pay me to put all my friends on stage. 58 of us. How does it feel to have your life boiled down to this rant? It's, it- it's pretty accurate. It's pretty accurate. So. But you know, that's I, I think crazy, it, dude. But I think it was good that like I didn't know anything. And because uh, I was just so stupid to the point that I would just risk so much. And one of the, the best and worst thing I've ever done was booking Symphony Hall, Boston Symphony Hall. And uh, they were like, oh, the deposit is this much. And I had just that money. I had just that money. I was like, let's go. And so I did. And this was back in 2020, uh, 2000, 
2012. Yes. So 2012, uh, October 7th. So uh, we booked the show. And I was like, you know what? Like, we're going to just like pack the place and we're just, just going to bring the full orchestra and like everything. And, and obviously, like at some point, I realized how much money I'm risking. <laughs> and I didn't have any of that. <laughs> so, so I talked to like all my friends and please promote, help promoting. And I, I did all kinds of things to like make it work and did a Kickstarter campaign to fund the album, live album. So part of it can compensate the show. And magically, like things worked out, and because it was just so hyped, um, like TV came over and newspapers came, and like they covered all the stuff. And Japanese national TV network came over, like they flew over, and oh, then wow. like they did a show for me. And so yeah, like that. Then we released an album, and that was really like the moment when I knew, okay, this can really become a business. And then like we got calls from China. They were like. Do you want a tour? I'm like, sure, why not? Let's go. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. And everybody was started calling me. And uh, then people are like, hey, like, we saw your show. Can you record for us too? And that's how the recording production started. And wow. of course I say yes. I just say yes to everything. And <laughs> I I what well, I'm able to deliver, fortunately, but I just say, yeah. you know, yes, of course. That's a that's a trend amongst heard, uh, yeah. most of the successful people that we speak with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so so then um, the uh, one of the first gigs I got, I, I, I'm just so lucky. And also doing this kind of like a big orchestra rock show in the U.S. as a Japanese person is just like a eye catching, right? For for the people in Japan, it's un, unheard of. And there are a lot of great Japanese musicians in the U.S., but at the director producer level, you don't see any of them. So then uh, they were like, oh, like, great. Like, you can do this and that, right? And one of the composers I met was uh, Masashi Hamauzu, who I dearly respect. Um, he's, he's an amazing composer. He wrote music for Final Fantasy thirteen, and also ten as well. And so I got to meet him at the convention because he was a guest as well. And so I was there too. And we just kind of bonded. And like, for three days straight, we were just, like, drinking, eating together and just talking about life and everything. And so he says, oh, like, we'll talk soon. And as he was departing. And I was like, okay, great. And so he's like, um, can you fly to Japan this day? And I'm like, sure. I haven't gone back for, for a while. So sure, why not? So he says, like, come to this address. So I went to the address and I see the sign of the building, Square Enix. Oh, yeah. In Tokyo. <laughs> Yeah. 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 So then I go to the room that I was supposed to go and he's there and the audio director of Square Enix was there and they were like, okay, so you're going to work on Final Fantasy. And I'm like, yes, of course. <laughs> 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 I knew this. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that's really how it happened. And he was like, okay, your duty is to orchestrate all my scores and uh, assemble an ensemble in, in Boston and uh, also do the mixing so i said yes to everything again and yeah and uh we delivered and then wow. our collaboration started and we got we worked on like four final fantasy games quite a lot of them and at and when we did 15 i got to actually compose some of the stuff yeah uh, yeah, that's amazing. Does that, that's a, I want to. I want to. I want to know this, and Siobhan, this applies to you too, because Siobhan was on Queen's Gambit, and I, I had said to her, "I bet you more people heard you in a weekend than had seen you in your entirety ever touring or ever doing anything in your ever." And I feel like with Final Fantasy, that so many people have played that. Like it's such a ubiquitous thing. Like my husband's a huge fan of it. He's played every do, game. Do and you think with the music that yeah. more people have heard you now from that? Like not even necessarily knowing who your band was, but because you're in their lives than yeah. you've ever touched touring. Because like that's got it's, how many people are into Final? Like, is there a number you know? It's got to be huge. Yeah, Final Fantasy 15, particularly, it sold 10 million copies. I think. 10 million. So that's basically like use your illusion by Guns N' Roses. <laughs> yes, pretty much. Yes. Do you know any uh, other video games that need music? <laughs> you know, like, you know, we got some music. I, I, you know, I, I always look for like somebody to work with. And also, I, I always look for good engineers. And so, yeah, like, 
Hi. We gotta we gotta hang yeah. out. How about how about <laughs> mediocre engineers? <laughs> you know, like engineer. it's just, I can I can make a mean yourself. pot of coffee. You have no idea. But believe it or not, like it's so difficult to find a, a good engineer in the this field, the symphonic metal stuff. Mm. It, it's, I can imagine, it's just yeah. so hard. And like, well, we did everything the wrong way, man. Like, let me tell you that. So, like, Corey and I have learned everything not to do. It's like, hey, you know, if you do like 75 tracks of violins all with these same microphones and all, like, you're going to get a bunch of these frequency cans. Like, no, oh, it's an insane texture yeah. to deal with. I don't know how anyone does it. I, I, no, don't, I don't know how you would ever, how you'd ever <laughs> do that. I could never write like an instructional manual, but I could definitely write a book on every mistake that you will make. <laughs> And and how I made it, and then how it taught me not to make that mistake again. At least, yeah, no, not like, a few I, more times. I mean, like I, I grew up the same way. So like when I started writing orchestral scores, I didn't, I had no knowledge. I had absolutely zero knowledge. And uh, even though I went to Berkeley to study film scoring, I didn't learn like actual orchestration. I I was learning MIDI, <laughs> but like that was it. And uh, so when start when I started video game orchestra. Like I got yelled at from the the players, and they were like, "Oh, you can't play this, and you can't do this." And so I was God. like, "Oh shit, I have to like really study." So I bought a bunch of scores, movie scores, and classical scores. I just like every gig, gig after gig, I just like studied the scores, and that's that's all I did. I I have no academic um, lessons. Can I tell you the secret? To, yes, I'm gonna tell you the secret. So you get something like crazy, like let's say "Fantasy for Four Hands" by Schubert. We did that with Lost Symphony, and you and it's just for two piano. Right, and you just go okay, and you just look at these lines. You go, that's oboe, and then you look at these lines, and you just take the MIDI and you just copy the MIDI from the piano, and you're like, okay, this whole area. And then next thing you know, Schubert has arranged his own piece with you because all you need to do is take the MIDI and then get massive, and that's how you do it. Showed up, so I just want to make yeah. that easier for you. Next yeah, time. like it's yeah. I, thanks for the tip. <laughs> I was just doing that next time. <laughs> this is something I wanted to get into with you, though, because as somebody, for example, so Lost Symphony was my first experience having to orchestrate anything. And I've played mm -hmm. an orchestra my whole life, but it it took a lot to figure out. And I, I don't think I'm an expert by any means, but I think it's a lot harder than it sounds to sit down and turn yeah. something into something. Marty for Friedman yelled you at you. You're play. an expert now. <laughs> Well, Marty, no, no, you got school. You got school, so now now you're an expert. You you yeah, got, went through a master class. Well, you know, I, I think it's easier to write jazz for an orchestra, but like when you combine it with like choir, rock band, it's very difficult. It's yeah. it's super difficult, and also it takes longer, far longer to write that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, when you I, think I, of yeah, when sorry, no, so I was gonna say like I grew up listening to symphonic metal. Like I, I love yeah. Rhapsody, Halloween. Angra and uh, SNM by Metallica and all those records, and I think the fusion of orchestra and rock music is just where it's at. So yeah, it's incredible yeah. when when it's pulled off right, but but really does it comes down to you have these two genres that are in and of themselves huge, and then you just stick them together, and you have to make them still both have that that size yeah. and everything, and that's where the challenge comes in. Yeah, and uh, it's it's so hard at during live shows too, because like when you do a show, like unless you really really carefully think about the setup, like all the orchestra players will complain how loud the drums are. <laughs> welcome, how, welcome, <laughs> no, like to orchestra we had nerds. we had oh, this God. one crazy cellist um, who hated the buzz of the the guitar amp, and <laughs> so like she stops during the middle of the the, the rehearsal, she stops the entire group. And she says, stop, so please stop. And we're like, what? And she says, the amp, the, the guitar amp is buzzing and it's not in the key. <laughs> it's in, well, it's in B because that's the sound yeah. of noise. Yeah, but like the key was in B flat. So like she wanted to be uh, in B flat. That's hysterical. <laughs> oh my God. Buy a that, noise that, There you go. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So so now we don't use an app anymore on stage. Well, we all we all go direct. Here's and, here's yeah. the thing I also learned. Okay, so I, Danny Elfman's one of my favorites. Mm -hmm. And what I learned is he doesn't really do the orchestrations. He like comes up with these crazy ideas and then people do all the crazy orchestrations. So mm -hmm. Brian, my brother and I uh, used to compose the Lost Symphony stuff doing MIDI. But I'm like, now we have Siobhan, and then we duplicated her with Susanna, who's incredible, and Mariko, who are two of the most virtuoso uh, cellists I've ever heard in my fucking life. I'm like, I'm going to take three amazing players, and then I'm going to just write a hummable theme, and then say, 
do that. So instead of writing stuff that she's like, this is for viola, not violent. Fuck you, play it. And she's like, you don't know anything about violin. You wrote on the wrong staff. Like, okay, whatever. It's MIDI. I'm just letting her do it now. It's called delegation. So yes. like, I love what your friend did with, with Final Fantasy. He's like, oh, I talked to this dude. He's a crazy person in Boston. He'll do everything. Let's fly him to Japan, not tell him anything. And then let's make him make this perfect. <laughs> Sounds Pretty like much, a lot of yeah. me. <laughs> That's Siobhan you know, like, for me. You no, know, like I started delegating. Like I, I hire people to do stuff. And it's just like my by myself, I can only do so much. Sure. And I, I know what I'm good at. So like I'm I want to I want to do only the only the things I'm good at. That's good. And that's a hard thing to realize too, because as someone that's creative, sometimes you want to do all of the things. And you know, I can relate to that. It's it's hard. Yeah. It's hard to let go. It's yeah. it's very yeah. difficult. And it was it was very hard for me. And I thought I could do everything. And I thought I had infinite amount of time every time I did a show. And, but like in the end, I got burnt out and uh, just couldn't execute. And I had made mistakes. And, but that wouldn't have happened if I delegated, right? Well, that's yeah. why you have me, Siobhan, and Corey. We're here Dude. to help you. Yes. No, like I, I, yes. Seriously, like I, we, we got to hang out and I got to go visit you guys. And just, Well, Siobhan's coming to town in like, a, oh, yeah. in like a month. So we oh, should man. absolutely yeah. hang out because we're, so we're going to rent Mechanics Hall. We're going to do our next Lost Symphony song. And we yes. have Siobhan and the psychopaths that are Susanna and Mariko. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've heard Mariko uh, Cello. Mariko that's is what also, she is. A, she's Japanese and she came yeah? out. I was, when you were telling your story, she similarly, came to the u.s speaking no english nice. and nice. it was and the first chalice in she my band. was yeah she was like oh they put me on tv when i was eight and i'm like oh you must be good <laughs> and then i heard her play her glissando sound like a dinosaur like she's the most she's ridiculous she's like a rock and I, roll I, chalice with some classical background yeah she's nice. yeah and she was nice. playing did you see her playing paganini's 24th caprice the other day i'm like siobhan she's like secretly trying to like troll you <laughs> No, like if you guys are doing anything, I would love to join. And yeah, I'm awesome. here. we'll definitely be in touch because uh, yeah, we, we have some cool stuff coming up, and uh, we'll we'll just you know once again pick your brain, steal your knowledge, and make sure we do it right. Wow. So uh, we're, we we got you know eight minutes left or so in, in okay. this episode here. So Only why don't we eight. kind of wrap up? Um, <laughs> you know, uh, so we've covered you know coming coming over here, getting over to Berkeley, uh, you know, failing by actually graduating from Berkeley. <laughs> uh, but then somehow succeeding by you know starting this kick-ass this kick-ass band. Um, what's going on with video game orchestra right now? Um, yeah, so we we are playing a bunch of shows in Brazil um, in November if everything goes well. You guys um, are huge in Brazil, aren't you? <laughs> I, I see I see these I see these like posts all the time from you down there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we uh, we are playing at this um, big convention called Brazil Game Show. Um, they attract like. 300,000 people in four days. Brazil game wow. show. So it's another, another name that's right on the people. nose there. Yeah, and uh, we're going to be on the main stage. We're like the headlining, we're headlining the event. So you're basically so. headlining Woodstock in Brazil. <laughs> kind of, yeah. And they they are expanding to like seven seven days instead of like four days because like they were like, fuck COVID. Like, we're going to do like Does more. Soulfly <laughs> open for you? <laughs> no. Does Matt Cavalera come up to you and start talking to you and like, you're just like, I'm sorry, man. We got to go on stage. Get this guy well, out of here. But anger comes. Like they, they come over and they see us. That's, see us, that's awesome. Yeah. That's so I amazing. get to hang out with them. And um, yeah, like uh, anger's drummer, Bruno, like Bruno's been playing with us. So he's like, he's like our drummer now. Yeah. <laughs> and he, he does all, all the recording sessions for us as well. So yeah, if you want a good drummer, I can recommend him to you guys. It's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing. But yeah, like we're doing the Brazil and like around that time, I think we're gonna probably just stick around in Brazil and do like South American tour. We're talking with a bunch of promoters down there and hopefully, hopefully we can make it to like a maybe like 10 shows, 15 show tour in the entire. So when, when, uh, when are you going to be down there? Um, so I think it's end of October to like in I november might, we should I go actually might, i actually might be down there around that time dude like come come please come <laughs> yeah that sounds we're awesome. going to visit my wife's family i uh, i would totally go and be like yeah how, how would that be introduced i'm meeting like her whole family oh by the way we're going to this rock show i, I know a yeah. guy don't worry and he shouts you out from stage in front of a hundred thousand people <laughs> wait do you do, do you do live sound as well like do you do like a 
you know, oh, monitors. Well, and I have panic attacks in front of a live soundboard, if that's what you mean. I'm happy to I do know, that like, anytime. We are, so we are bringing our technical director, who is FOH. Um, yeah. He's doing FOH as well. But like, we need like one person to take in monitors. And uh, Brazil is like always hit on this. Yeah. <laughs> you know, sometimes you get great people. Sometimes you get like let's, really uh, people. Let's chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That might be doable. If you're, if Basically, you're we got you on the show so you could just like utilize all of our skills yeah. because we, we're <laughs> yes. really just looking for jobs. <laughs> we want to work for you. You literally. Ask. Well, this is the first time. This, the, this is the first time I've ever been on the show, and I've talked to Grammy Award winners. I've talked to Miles Kennedy. Got asked to be in Zeppelin, okay? And this is the first time where I'm just like, dude, show me your ways, please. Just let us follow in your footsteps. We'll take your scraps. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> See, like, we'll I, play the small stage in front of three hundred thousand people in Brazil. We'll take the small stage <laughs> after, but before Angra. Yeah, but like I love. Yeah, but Brazil thing happened by chance, and I, I started going there to like game conventions, like because they started inviting me. And the Brazil Game Show, the the CEO, the the event is such a great guy, and he's like, you know, I love video games. I want to bring you guys all. So that's that's amazing. That was it. That was that was literally it, and that's how it happened. Wow! And, and he took me how, to how like how big is your band that you actually fly to Brazil? Like, so how like, many people? We, are- we, we usually travel with like ten people, and then like the rest is like we hire the orchestra locally, and okay. also like some crew. Yeah, because like, yeah, the last thing I wanted was like fifty-eight every- fucking yeah, yeah. people flown to Brazil. Oh like that yeah. sounds like, like a, a dude, lot. Like, that, of that would be the, logistics. Be the worst tour. <laughs> you know what? Hold on, here's what you should do. You should call Ron from Stars and be like, Ron, okay, there's fifty-eight people that need to get over to Japan or Brazil. <laughs> And he'll figure it out. Get you there yeah, he'll have like a shipping container ready or something. Yeah. Like, 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 all right, there's a, vol- there's a volcano out that way. Don't go that way. <laughs> yeah, but you know, like having like 50 musicians traveling with you is like the, the last oh, thing. Oh, no, it's too much. <laughs> <laughs> it's too much. Like 10 is like manageable um, if I try. Uh, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so we're doing that. And uh, there are a bunch of um, other people who are asking me to produce concerts because i i do uh produce anime concerts and video game concerts like uh, besides my marsh stuff and uh, we got to play in new york uh last november at the, this event called anime new york city and uh we featured a music from uh, my hero academia it's a, it's a big anime show right now and yeah like it, we sold out 2500 tickets in eight minutes wow yeah <laughs> Yeah, and so, we did so, something similar. So like we we had the band and a string section, and it was cool. Incredible, <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> um, video game orchestra. The website looks like vgo-online.com. Yep. Uh, I'm looking at you rocking out right now. As soon as I open the page, nice video <laughs> pops up. <laughs> yeah. So that was uh, that, that's from the the Marvel show. Can oh, I have wow. one Very request cool. though? Yeah, Can maybe. I have one request? If we do something for Jason. Can we dress up like like Ingve, like JS Bach, dude? And then we can be up there with our with our guitars, and we can just be holding them with all like the f- flary stuff. I just and fake Marshalls in the background. Yes. Even fake Kempers is fine with me. Just put the lights <laughs> fake on. Fake Kempers. <laughs> but but we but you know like if we, even if we dress up like Ingve, we have to speed up his record and just play faster than Ingve, right? Like, like yes. Jason did. Yes. Yeah. You know, I got to meet Jason's like childhood friend in 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 his place. So Mike. Mike is the guy, and he he went to like middle school and high school with Jason, and he said everything was just so easy for Jason. He said like Jason picked up a guitar like like weeks after you met him, like he was like fucking playing. <laughs> well, hold on, that's that's this is something I've realized about savants. So Les Paul, like on a Wednesday, learned how to play guitar, and then like two weeks later found out the guy he was like oh how come my teacher isn't here they're like oh we hired you instead like he literally replaced his teacher within like two weeks carol k when i talked to her it was the same thing she's like oh yeah so the he taught me a, a guitar chord on monday then by next friday he's like do you need a, a super 400 and she was playing in all the jazz clubs by the time she was like 17 in la as a white chick like it wasn't cool back then. it wasn't okay and She's like, normally they'd let you know you need to get off the stage. No one ever let me know I need to get off the stage. That's because she was born like Mozart, like Jason Becker, like Les Paul, these 
crazy, ridiculous people that like, I see arpeggios. And that's the only, I mean, because honestly, if you listen, because you listen to a guy like Rusty Cooley, who's, who's one of the fastest guitarists in the yeah. world. He was on Lost yeah. Symphony. And he says it perfectly. He's like, you know, you, you grew up listening to the to Richie Blackmore and Al DiMiola or whatever. And then Van Halen came about and there was Randy Rhodes and then there was Ingve. And then you're like, where do you go from here? And then there was Jason Becker. And you're like, oh. And then you find out the guy is like seven years younger than you were when you started playing guitar. And you're like, oh. So the, <laughs> the only way I can explain that without hating myself is he was given extra. Yeah. I hold this <laughs> guitar because I'm hoping osmosis will work because I want it to... <laughs> ALS awareness for Jason, so that maybe I'll get some good notes out of it. Right. All right. All right. And well, on that we're, note. We're, we're coming to the end of part one. With this is the end? And, uh, this, this is, is the end? end? Just part one. Just part we one. Have one. Part we, haven't even, we haven't even touched on soundtrack. We, we haven't touched on, on a lot of things you have going on, so I'm super excited to jump into part two. Yeah. But uh, make sure you follow the links. We'll have every link um, for, for the band and all the stuff below in the description. Check out 2020-d.com, and we will see you next week. Thank you, as always, for checking out this episode of 2020. Please visit 2020-d.com. Like and subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss out on future episodes. This week's throwback clip is from episode number 121, featuring the one and only Bumblefoot. Check it out. My wife was with me. I remember we ate at a, a restaurant that had, like, all... I think it was called Raw or something like that. Like, it was all just, like, raw food, nothing cooked. And it was really good. And then I had the massive, massive shits. And I had such bad fucking diarrhea. My, like, I was just like ready to explode all over the fucking place and I couldn't find the bathroom. And I think I did that show with them the whole time clenching, trying not to shit all over the place. Ever wonder what a punch from Elton John feels like? Or how you cope with having turned down the chance to be in Nirvana? Or what signal Keith Richards gives when he wants you to get the hell out of his hotel room? Fans of Too Much Effing Perspective don't have to wonder, because they've heard these exact stories and a jillion others on our podcast. I'm Alex Hoffman, former tour manager for Radiohead. And I'm musician and comedy writer Alan Keller. On the TMEP show, we get guests like Nancy Wilson from Heart, Jeremiah Freights from The Lumineers, and Modern Family's Julie Bowen to tell us things they may have only shared with their therapist, clergy, or a TMZ stringer. So join us on Too Much Effing Perspective. That's E-F-F-I-N-G Perspective. The only podcast you crank up to 11. Oh.